Hi, and welcome to Lakeshore Update. I'm your host, Dee Dodson. On this edition of the podcast, you'll hear the latest on the approaching deadline for a rental assistance program in Lake County. Brock Turner reports on the concern advocates of nursing home patients have of the potential impact of an outbreak of the Omicron variant could have on long-term care facilities. And Chris Noti has a conversation with Josh Hill and Dan Kalowski of the Big Shoulders Fund about the work the organization is doing with the Catholic Diocese of Geary Schools. All of that and more on this edition of Lakeshore Update. Travelers flying out of Chicago for the holidays can expect busier airports than last year. The Chicago Tribune reports, as positive COVID-19 cases surge in Illinois and Indiana, free rapid tests will be available for passengers arriving at O'Hare International Airport as well as Midway Airport. Through January 3rd, nearly 2.5 million passengers are expected to fly through O'Hare Airport and about 500,000 passengers are expected to fly through Midway. That's more than twice as many passengers as the 2020 holiday season. Appointments for a free rapid test can be made online by visiting doctorstestcenters.com forward slash fly Chicago. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Rental assistance is being provided to Lake County residents to decrease evictions and prevent homelessness, but the deadline for applications is December 31st. Jimenez officials said in a news release last Wednesday that the program will end because of limited available funds. Bill Trowbridge, the CEO of Regional Care Group, which is the network administrator for Geminis, said they're very grateful to their partners for helping provide much-needed community assistance and relief. They include Lake Area United Way, Northwest Indiana Community Action, Catholic Charities, and Legacy Foundation, among others. As of September, Geminis distributed $13 million and an additional $27.4 million was provided after the program received more funding. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. As fire departments struggle with staffing shortages, a group of local fire chiefs is partnering with a high school to train the next generation of recruits. Lake Central is working with the Dyer, St. John, Lake Hills, and Cherville departments to launch a firefighting program. Assistant Principal Ed Beck told the school board last week that students would spend some time in the classroom and the rest at the Lake County Fire Training Facility in St. John. And there are two firefighter certification exams that they can take upon completion of this class. If they pass those tests, then they can go out and work as a fireman once they pass those exams. Lake Central's firefighting program would also qualify as a graduation pathway. 
And because it's a high demand industry, the state will provide funding currently $1,000 per student. So this is a great opportunity for our kids. It's a great opportunity for our towns. And then if you know, we are approved and we hire somebody, we will try and get them credentialed as dual credit as well. Beck said 75 students have already expressed interest. The program will need final approval from the Hammond Area Career Center's Superintendent's Consortium. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. The Indiana Supreme Court has ruled that the agency that runs the South Shore Commuter Line, the Northern Indiana Commuter Transportation District, is a state agency or a political subdivision of Indiana, similar to a city or a school corporation. Clarence Lowell Hobart started the inquiry into Nicky's status because he wanted to be able to pursue his workplace injury claim for damages against Nicky. Lowell was reportedly manually hammering spikes into frozen railroad ties in January 2018 on a portion of the track in Chicago when he claims. He hurt his shoulders because Nicky failed to provide proper hydraulic equipment. Lowe filed a lawsuit first in Illinois, then in Porter County, Indiana, and a local judge ruled in favor of Nicky, saying Lowe filed too late under the 180-day tort claim rules. Lowe then went to the Indiana Court of Appeals, saying federal railroad law allowed him to sue Nicky as an arm of the state. He lost his appeal and then took the case to the state's highest court. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. The new Lake County Council and Commissioner Districts were approved last week. The Times reports the maps were created through negotiations between the county's Republican and Democratic Party chairs and were finalized last Friday by the Indiana Election Commission members acting as the Lake County Redistricting Commission. For the Board of Commissioners, one district consists of North Township. Another has Calumet, Hobart, and Ross Townships. The third has the balance of the county. When it comes to the council map, District 4 now includes Dyer, Northwest Crown Point, and most of St. John and Sherrillville. And the sixth district contains Miraville, Southern Hobart, North and East Crown Point, and parts of Sherrillville and Griffith. District 7 includes much of the southern half of the county, while there are four districts north of roughly Main Street. Meanwhile, the Porter County Commissioners voted last week to keep the council districts the same. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. The Gary Teachers Union reached a tentative contract agreement with with the school district that includes a 3% raise and up to $7,000 in incentives if teachers reach certain benchmarks. For the incentives, teachers will have flexibility to choose from a manga list that both sides agree to during negotiations. 
Teachers Union President Glenniva Dunham told the Post-Tribune the teachers ratified the agreement last week after two days of talks with a state-appointed mediator. The school district will hold a public meeting on Monday to adopt and sign the contract. The State Distressed Unit Appeal Board, which oversees the state-controlled district, gave its conditional approval to the contract. District Manager Paige McNulty said the raise will increase the average beginning teacher salary to about $48,000. Gary has about 215 teachers. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. With winter weather approaching, the city of Valparaiso is reminding residents of its snow removal plans. When there's more than two inches of snow, park vehicles should be removed from city streets until the snow is removed. And when clearing your driveway, the city's Public Works Division recommends clearing an open area to the left of their driveway when facing the street. That will give the snow a place to go as plows pass by, reducing the amount that will end up blocking the driveway. It is also against the city ordinances to shovel snow into the street. During snow emergencies, the major thoroughfares and emergency routes will be cleared first. A map can be found on the city's website at valpo.us. The Valparaiso Police Department offers a contact assistance referral program to check on older residents or those with special needs. You can register yourself or a loved one by calling 219-462-2135. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. The more contagious Omicron variant has reached Indiana. That's causing fear among advocates for residents in long-term care facilities. Indiana Public Broadcasting's Brock Turner has the story. Omicron is more concerning because of mutations that make it more likely to attach itself to cells and evade vaccine protection, especially in those who haven't received a booster shot. Those characteristics make outbreaks more likely in long-term care facilities and other group living settings. While new cases among facility residents and staff have ticked up only slightly in recent weeks, concern remains among the number of staff and residents residents who have received a booster. Zach Cattell is the president of Indiana's Healthcare Association, the trade group that represents more than 400 long-term care facilities. The staff vaccination rate needs to improve. We, we've known that it's, it's much better than what we're seeing in the general population where Indiana, I think, is in the bottom five in the country. So we're in an environment where, unfortunately, it's not something that the general public has really taken hold of and supported. Currently, 62% of long-term care residents have received a booster. The percentage of staff that have received a booster, however, is significantly lower. Only 17.8% of staff working in long-term care facilities are boosted. That's slightly more than the state's general population, but slightly lower than the national average. For Indiana Public Broadcasting, I'm Brock Turner. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Methodist Hospital CEO Matt Doyle has a message for Northwest Indiana. He says the healthcare community understands that people want to move on from the pandemic and return to normal life. Unfortunately, 
The healthcare community cannot move on. And the way out is by vaccination and getting booster shots. In a statement issued last Monday, Doyle said that since the Thanksgiving holiday, Indiana and Lake County in particular experienced a worrisome surge in COVID-19 cases as well as hospitalizations. In Lake County, the positivity rate has reached 15%, even higher than Indiana as a whole and higher than that of surrounding states. Region hospitals, including Methodists, are seeing increasing numbers of COVID patients that affect availability of elective services. Emergency rooms across Northwest Indiana are overcrowded, and healthcare workers who have dedicated their lives and careers to helping others are overworked and exhausted. Doyle, in his statement, said residents can support them by practicing safe behaviors during the holidays, masking, hand washing, and social distancing, and getting the shots. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. National studies show mental health challenges have increased because of the coronavirus pandemic, and more so in college-age people. But college counseling centers saw a decline in those seeking services at the same time. The American Psychological Association has conducted annual surveys of mental health since 2007. During the pandemic years, it showed that while all ages of people had increased stress due to COVID-19, the numbers were greatest in college-age people. Bill Betts leads Ball State University's Counseling Center. You take that and look at Gen Z, which is our students. 45% of Gen Z adults said they do not know how to manage the stress they feel due to coronavirus, and that's this year, that's this fall. He says, despite that increase, the Center for Collegiate Mental Health at Penn State found that in a national survey, university counseling centers saw a 32% average drop in students seeking help during the fall of 2020. Ball State Center itself saw a 25% decrease. Betts says increased telehealth allowed some college students to stay with their therapist at home. But for others... I actually had some students say this to me. They felt like their concerns weren't serious enough. And so what they said is, look, I didn't get COVID. No one in my family died. And so, yes, I'm suffering and I'm miserable, but I don't want to take a spot from somebody else who really needs this service. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Once again, state lawmakers will be bringing the question of legalizing pots in Indiana up for discussion. Ahead of the legislative session gaveling in next month, state lawmakers and pot experts held a discussion over the topic at the State House over the weekend. Matt Roman is an executive with a cannabis company in Michigan where pot has been legal for two years now. He offers advice on what Indiana should do. We have a good tax rate, 10%. You want to hit the tax rate correctly or else it's going to fuel the illicit market. Republican State Rep. Jim Lucas says it's mind-boggling that more members of his caucus have not backed efforts to legalize pot, especially since he says there's money to be made by the state from taxing it. Kurt Darling, Network Indiana.
You're listening to Lakeshore Update with D. Dotson. Here is regionally speaking host Chris Nolte with a conversation with Josh Hill and Dan Kolowski of the Big Shoulders Fund. The Chicago-based Big Shoulders Fund was founded by a group of business and civic leaders back in the late 1980s to offer support to Catholic schools with some demonstrated needs. It was mainly first in Chicago, but since then they've been branching over here into northwest Indiana, in particular with uh, the uh, Catholic Diocese of Gary. And to find out what the latest is involving the Big Shoulders Fund, we have the boss. We have on with us to talk about the Big Shoulders Fund, actually two bosses. We have Josh Hale, who's the president and CEO of the, the Big Shoulders Fund. And we also have with us um, his uh, a main, a main person in uh, northwest Indiana, Dan Kalowski. And uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us on Lakeshore Public Radio today. Great, great to hear your voice. Thanks for having us on. You have been, uh, you know, with your show and your, your tentacles into the community, it's been great to have us on a few times keeping people updated on our progress and uh, this huge investment by Beth and Bruce White in the uh, region. Thanks for having us on. Happy holidays to you. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, first, uh, if you will, take a moment, Josh, and, and just refresh our listeners' memories about the Big Shoulders Fund, and in particular, the, the role that uh, that the Whites have to, into the, uh, the the operations here in northwest Indiana. Absolutely. So um, it sounds great to say, but back in November of 2019, we announced publicly what had been in the works for a couple of years, um, Beth and Bruce White making a $16 million gift to essentially uh, extend our programming of Big Shoals Fund um, from Chicago into uh, Northwest Indiana, the region. And um, it, it was it was really to uh, strengthen um, one of the one of the great assets in the community, the Catholic schools there, and especially the Catholic schools serving in under-resourced communities. And um, you know, our, our plan was always to, to try to create um, real strength and, and build on what has been a great history of these schools, but also bring a lot of the learnings we've had from working with schools here in Chicago in the past 35 or so years. And, uh, you know, it, it certainly helps to have people like Beth and Bruce um, in your corner and uh, investing in this. But I, um, I also uh, were blessed with a tremendous team. Uh, Dan Kozlowski, who's with me on the, on the call today, and Giselle Jones, another member of our team down there. And I think you're going to hear more news about us growing our team. Things are mm-hmm. going so well. But also the excellent schools there in the, the, the region, the, the community members. Uh, Dan's going to share some updates about some, you know, people excited about this and investing. And since we announced that in 2019, you know, COVID hit, and I think we all were a little concerned about what that would mean. But our team didn't slow down a bit, and the, 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 the whites didn't back down at all. And they've been investing uh, really uh, smartly and, and, and with a great impact. And this is, you know, during the height of the pandemic, they got technology resources out in the classrooms. Um, Dan and his team have been building uh, new partnerships. One of them in particular, which is fantastic, with Purdue University of Northwest um, University School of Education. That's certainly a place the whites have a great relationship, but also they jumped on board in helping to build a program to build pathways to employment at big show of fun schools for students become teachers and, and, the, and the like. Um, but also, Dan and his team got up and helped with emergency scholarships. And even during the pandemic, we've had a number of service days and meal distributions, lots of different things. So hit the ground running, um, even as this is going on. And as we've all gotten, you know, even with the challenge of the pandemic, gotten more used to living uh, in this way, um, even more things are happening. And um, our network of schools, we really seem to go above and beyond um, in this time frame. And I think 
really we saw these schools really as what they are, that they are certainly schools, but they're beacons of hope and really vital pillars in the communities that the benefits extend well beyond the, the school building to the community in impacting all residents. And so um, we are um, just gearing up here in this, in this year and for the years to come. We're just getting started. I think, I know I'm talking a lot, and I want you to hear from Dan. Mm-hmm. He'll share more. But I'm amazed and thrilled with um, how the local community has really embraced this, this investment and, in, in, you know, and us kind of extending our program down there. And we, we recently had an event, which we've had for years here in Chicago, Linda Shola Day, and Dan will say more about it. But we had over 100 people show up to be part of our Linda Shola Day in northwest Indiana. And Dan is starting to form some advisory committees and, and lots of other exciting things that bode well for the future, that this is this is just the start. And so um, while it started in, in a pandemic, it's grown rapidly and um, really, really excited about this growing partnership. Well, Dan, if you will fill us in, please, on, on the operations that, that you have uh, followed through on what Josh has mentioned here and the support from not only the Big Shoulders Fund, but also from the, the White Foundation into what has been, I guess, extending and expanding, certainly, uh, the uh, Catholic Diocese of Gary's uh, school system. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and certainly want to thank you, Chris, for having us on today. Uh, big fan of the show. Um, really blessed. Uh, to be able to uh, to work in Northwest Indiana, not only uh, in an area that I grew up in, but with uh, an organization that truly cares uh, about children uh, and about uh, furthering its mission. Um, you know, in, in 2019, obviously, as Josh has said, you know, little did we know what we were kind of walking into, but, um, you know, the resiliency, not only uh, of our organization, but of our Catholic schools uh, has really been great. We weathered the storm uh, we're probably stronger now than ever, and um, the work that we're doing in the school each and every day is just really impressive. Um, our principals um, are, are the, the the rocks in each one of these Catholic schools. We're so pleased and, and honored to work with them, and you know some of the work that we're doing, and you get to see it every day with these kids, is it, just incredible. Some of the you know, Josh had just mentioned Linda Shoulder Day. We, you know, we had. Uh, 100 business uh, and community leaders come to three of our schools and share a little bit in, in the work that we do, see uh, our classrooms in action. And every one of them left with just you know, a, a sense of, uh, of awe and just really inspired by what we're doing. And uh, right now what we're doing is, is we're working on building special counsels, uh, mentoring programs where uh, people can really get hands-on in the work that we're doing in our schools. So, you know, each and every day, it's just such a joy to wake up and, and, and go to work uh, for Big Shoulders Fund and serve our schools. I couldn't be any more pleased with what we're doing in our system. Now, since you have all of the schools uh, within uh, your your team's work schedule, I guess, are there any schools in particular that, that, that you want to bring out as to how they've done, uh, at least since you've taken over and gotten the help from the Big Shoulders Fund? You know, we never want to play favorites with our schools because we love our schools. He's uh, <laughs> a good policy, right? Yeah, but there is a particular school that we have been working with really since day one, and has really touched our hearts. Aquinas Catholic Community School in Maryville uh, has about 200 students, and the principal there, Lisa Gutierrez, and her team has really done a fantastic job serving underserved communities. The kids are fantastic, and you know, at the beginning of this, you know, as we've gone around and kind of get to meet the principals, meet the communities. We saw a great need at that school to really make a, an immediate impact. So one thing that we did kind of right away was to help some food scarcity uh, problems that they had at the school there. You know, these, these kids were hungry, and, you know, we wanted to step in and help make sure uh, that they had a good breakfast in the morning and, and, and a solid lunch uh, in the afternoon. 
And right away, just with us stepping in to help with that, you know, the, the principals saw an immediate change in the attitudes and just the just just the way these kids were during school. So we kind of dug in a little bit more. And one project that principal was working on, uh, and this project actually had been in the works since before we had uh, partnered with her and that she had gotten there, was an expansion of the school. Aquinas has grown 37% since 2017, and they're really out of space right now to, to put all these kiddos at the school. So we worked with her on identifying ways that we could be assisting her uh, in expanding the building. And through our work with the Dean and Barbara White Family Foundation, and, and this is an exclusive for regionally speaking, mm-hmm. um, we um, are announcing that we have secured a $1.25 million gift uh, to help Aquinas expand their school, uh, adding additional classroom space, um, workspace for the teachers, and a front uh, office. So this is really going to be uh, a gift um, that's going to make an immediate impact at Aquinas, and we could be more proud not only to, to help her with this gift, uh, but to partner with the Dean and Barbara White Family Foundation. That's very good news to hear, and we're going to hopefully have a chance to have you back on again soon and, and talk more about how the Catholic Diocese of uh, Gary is improving, especially with the help of uh, not only the Whites, but also with uh, the Big Shoulders Fund. And Josh, thank you, and Dan, for being with us today to talk about this. We appreciate uh, being able to, to put out the good news about Aquinas and uh, hope to hear about more of the uh, the schools within the uh, the district talking about uh, the support they're getting and the hope they're giving to not only the young people who are attending classes, but the family members that live with them here in Northwest Indiana. Thank you for giving us some time today to talk about the uh, about the Big Shoulders Fund and about the help in, in the uh, Roman Catholic Diocese of Gary. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Appreciate Thank it. you very much. We'll talk yeah, with you soon. Great voice of the region. We appreciate being on. Regionally Speaking with host Chris Nolte can be heard each Monday through Thursday at 11 a.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM and streaming online at lakeshorepublicradio.org where you can also find podcasts of the show when you click on the program link. For the latest in local news and information, tune in Monday at 6 a.m. for Morning Edition with local host Chris Nolte. Lakeshore Update is supported by the listeners and members of Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. Podcasts for Lakeshore Update are posted each Friday on our website, lakeshorepublicradio.org, as well as on NPR One. Make sure you search for WLPR and select us as your home station. Music for Lakeshore Update was written and produced by bensound.com. For Lakeshore Update, I'm Dee Dotson.